It's your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Um, lots to get to today, but a lot of it will be focused heavily on TJ Hawkinson, the new tight end for the Vikings. He met with the media on uh, on Wednesday. A lot of other Vikings players talking on Wednesday as well. It's their big day of access. I was out there with a lot of our other writers as well. We recorded an Access Vikings podcast if you want to hear some of that. I'm going to try not to repeat too much of that, but here just in a minute, I'm going to uh, run back a lot of what uh, what those players and what uh, head coach Kevin O'Connell and general manager Kwesi Adolfo Mensa had to say about uh, about the acquisition of TJ Hawkinson. Also get to Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist here in a little bit. We talked some Hawkinson. We talked primarily about college football, a little bit of Tennessee volunteers talk for Chip. Uh, he's on top. Uh, he's on Rocky Top right now with Tennessee being number one in the first college football playoff rankings. I'm um, having a dream season that he did not see coming, um, but uh, also kind of contextualizing that into can the Gophers ever get to that unexpected spot as well. They've gotten, I don't say close, but they've had starts to the year a few times here where you could envision that, but it hasn't happened yet. Can they get to that moment at some point? Chip and I also talked about the Timberwolves. The struggles they've been having, Chip, very much on record, not being a D'Angelo Russell fan. So he and I had plenty to talk about in that regard. Also got to get to some World Series no-hitter talk at the end, as well as Gophers men's basketball preseason action. First, though, let's get to that TJ Hawkinson content. I want to start with Vikings general manager Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who addressed the media, like I said, and, you know, was asked, obviously, you know, kind of what led to this acquisition. How do you, you know, I think it's a delicate balance, right? It's, we look on paper, whenever there's a trade or a trade deadline, we look and we just look at kind of one for one or player stats, what they bring to the table, things like that. Other thing you got to realize is, hey, this is a six and one team. Um, They've got an obvious need with Irv Smith going out and uh, both Quasi and, uh, and Kevin O'Connell were quick to say they liked what what Irv Smith had been doing lately, um, kind of getting better. So they're hoping his rehab goes well and he can come back later in the season. Um, but you know you have to realize this is not just bringing in someone's stats. You're bringing in an entire player. You're bringing in someone who we want to fit into a system, into a scheme. You want someone who's going to be able to get up to speed quickly, especially in the middle of the season. So. Quesadofomensa addressed all of those things, but here was his kind of basic answer about what led to the trade and what they're hoping uh, hoping to get out of this. Our personnel department um, is aggressive. They're always looking for different op- opportunities, ways to upgrade the team, but you always want to be careful. Um, I think a team is a very delicate chemistry, and you want to make sure that you're not over-tweaking or overdoing anything. Uh, we, we're excited about what we have and the group that we have, so uh, we try and be really uh, judicious with our opportunities, and this just happened to be one of them. Uh, TJ is a great fit. Uh, he's an incredible player in both phases of the game. Uh, he's competitive. He fits into our, our culture. Um, he also gives us a lot of great roster flexibility with his ability to do things in the run and pass game. Uh, so I, I think we were just excited about the opportunity. I think it embodies a lot of the themes that we've talked about living in today and tomorrow and all those different things. You know, and I like that. And I think Chip Scoggins did a good job writing about it, too, for uh, for Thursday's paper. Just kind of seizing the moment. You know, wasn't an exorbitant price to pay in terms of draft capital. They got the same number of picks back, just a little bit lower over those next couple of years. And uh, you get, they got a player who certainly seems like he helps them. And uh, so that, that's a big key to it. Um, Hawkinson talked uh, for about nine minutes on, uh, on, on Wednesday as well. 
I don't know how many times he said super excited, but it must have been. Uh, it was many, many times that he said super excited. It seemed like it was genuine, had a grin on his face. Um, obviously, a trade in the middle of the year is hard for a player. you got to learn new systems. you got to learn new schemes. Uh, but you go from a 1-6 and six team to a 6-1 and one team, to a team with a lot of offensive firepower. It's exciting for a player. It's daunting in the same in the same breath. So I thought Hawkinson's most interesting answer was when he was asked about kind of how he does get up to speed. How what what is there to learn? What what is there to uh, to get adjusted to when you join a team basically in the middle of a week and you got to play in just a few days? Yeah, I'm grinding. Um, you know, I mean, I, I got in last night. They gave me my iPad, and um, you know, who knows? I'm just trying to I'm trying to learn this offense as much as I can. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of ins and outs to it. Um, but football's football, you know. I mean, uh, I've been in this. This will be my fourth offense now um, that I've been in throughout throughout my career, and so uh, just learning new terminology. You know, I mean, it is it, football is. You know, there's outside zone, there's schemes, there's there's route running, there's concepts. You know, it's just what you call it. So um, it's really just learning a new language, and I'm I'm trying to learn that as fast as I can for sure. You know, Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell was asked a similar question about you know getting uh, you know getting Hawkinson up to speed, how he fits into the offense, and I'm sure he's excited about it. I'm sure O'Connell is just you know another piece and just kind of thinking about it cerebrally, like what they've been seeing this year, how a you know how a a high caliber tight end, a healthy high high caliber tight end can help them do some things in the offense. So here was O'Connell on kind of how they might deploy Hawkinson, especially once Hawkinson is fully up to speed. When you look at our offensive skill group, and, and we've talked a lot you know, with you guys uh, over the course of the first seven or eight weeks of the season, just how we're being defended. We see some new things. We see uh, a lot of uh, tactics to try to limit Justin's impact and Adam's impact and KJ uh, as well as Irvin are back. So just adding a player um, of TJ's caliber in a, in a moment where we're, we're really kind of coming into our groove and I see a fit uh, with a lot of the things we try to do, uh, a lot of the things route-wise, schematics, how we run the ball, his fit in, you know, really, you know, in, in his role in being a one of 11 to help us move the football. Um, situationally, I see some real opportunities for him, third down, red zone, two-minute, things like that. Uh, it's just a matter of bringing in a player here that uh, we feel has tremendous upside in our offense. Uh, we are in the middle of the season, so we're going to try to not uh, try to overload him. Uh, but at the same time, he's already proven to be able to handle a lot, and we'll just get him out on the practice field and see what we can have available to us this Sunday. And that's probably the most exciting thing, right? Because the Vikings have a lot of playmakers now, and I think even before Irv Smith got hurt, you would have considered this an upgrade over Irv Smith, a guy who can do things both in the run game and the pass game. He's not a great run blocker, but I think he's a better run blocker than Irv Smith, so it's not obvious what you're trying to do when he's on the field. And when it's a passing situation, he's going to stress defenses differently, I think, than Irv Smith was, especially on some of those short to intermediate routes, the run after the catch, things like that. You can only guard so many people. You're going to leave something open if you're trying to shut down all of these different Vikings playmakers, and that's a different dimension now. Should make the passing game even more dynamic. The person leading that passing game, of course, Kirk Cousins, was asked about how he gets up to speed with a new player. I thought this was an interesting answer from Kirk Cousins and just... You know the work he's putting in already to try to get kind of on the same page and understand what he has with T.J. Hawkinson. Players like T.J., I've been watching him on tape for a long time. You know, I remember watching his tape when he was at Iowa. So, um, but there's no doubt some work to do. I asked our video guys yesterday, "Hey, can you put together a cut up of 
his his career touchdowns, his career third down conversions, his tape from Iowa that got him drafted in the top ten. Like I want to see these things. I want to see him at his absolute best. See what he's done as a player, and that'll help me better understand him when I you know I'm with him in the game. You know, and we'll see how it goes on uh, on on uh, on Sunday at Washington. I mean, Washington's a better team than they were at the start of. They've won three in a row. None of them have been particularly pretty, but you know what? None of these last five Vikings games have been particularly pretty either, and they keep winning. So it is a it's a, a, a matchup between a couple of teams that are learning how to win this year, and uh, I think small edges are going to count. We'll see how much Hawkinson can you know, influence this game. This is probably a move for, you know, more later in the season as they get him more fully, you know, engrossed into the offense. But it seems like he fits into the locker room and the culture. We'll see about that. But I don't think they would trade for somebody who they couldn't vouch for in that regard. So an exciting move for the Vikings, an exciting time for the Vikings as they try to take 6-1 and one and make it into an even more special season. We'll see where that gets them on Sunday. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, let's bring in one of the happiest sports writers in North America right now, Chip Scoggins, columnist for the Star Tribune. And long before he was a journalist, long before he was a columnist, he was uh, just a fan of sports, uh, specifically the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. And uh, Chip, how are you feeling after the first uh, first college football playoff uh, kind of ordering was that was announced earlier this week? Yeah, I think you said it right. I'm the happiest sports writer in America. Um, what a we always say unexpected success is one of the great thrills yes. of being a sports fan. And you know, I'm only a fan of one team and one team only, and that's the Tennessee Vols. Um, and you know, never in my wildest imaginations did I think this season was possible. I was hoping for a bowl game. I was hoping for six, seven wins and a bowl game and progress and um, to think that they are number one in the first uh, playoff committee poll, uh, it's just it's been staggering, and and uh, it's so much so that I actually Googled um, where the playoffs are at. Oh man, there you go. Okay, <laughs> how okay. much tickets would be? I probably jinxed it. I probably should not have done that. We'll probably lose the rest of our games, and I'll be miserable. But uh, it's been fun. I mean, this whole season's just been. I watch the games anyway every year. Sure. And live and die with him, but um, this has been just remarkable. Well, that was I was going to be my next question is when that when Tennessee has success like this, which hasn't had hasn't happened for a long time. Do you find yourself waiting for the other shoe to drop, or do you find yourself just like enjoying the ride as long as possible? No, I'm like the tortured Minnesota sports fans. <laughs> I, I sort of I'm conditioned to uh, uh, the bottom dropping out. Um, you know, we won a national title back in the late '90s. And right, it's been some dark ages. Uh, I know that's relative. I mean, uh, Minnesota sports fans don't want to hear, uh, Oh, we won a national title, you know, two decades ago. Uh, I know it's been, the drought's been a little longer here, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, we've gone through a lot of heartache and bad times and um, to finally see you get the right coach, you get the right system, the right recruits and just see the fan base come back and see Nealon, Nealon stadium 
rocking again like it was when I was a college student there. Um, and just connecting with high school buddies on our group chat, you know, more than I'm never being a fan of this team again. You know, that's how it always is now. It's like, right. uh, it's just euphoric. So it's, it's, uh, it's fun to feel like a fan again. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, we don't in this business, what we do, we don't really get that opportunity. You're just covering games and, and you're rooting for great stories and drama and all that, right. but to, to have a team that, that you love and, um, ride the roller coaster with to have this this season like this has just been uh, it's been really a great time. The Gophers had a start like this to a degree in in 2019 and still had a really successful season at you know finishing with 11 wins. Um, this year started out four and zero had the kind of start that had had fans envisioning this kind of run right the, not just. You know, when it got really optimistic, people were thinking not just Big Ten West, thinking, hey, you know, can you get into the national conversation at least or, or things like that? Maybe we got ahead of ourselves a little bit. I don't know what, what it, whatever it was. The three game losing streak followed yeah. for various reasons. Now they got, you know, got the win against Rutgers, now back against Nebraska, where they're like 16 point favorites. Gophers like 16 point favorites <laughs> at Nebraska, which tells you how far Nebraska has fallen and tells you how much people still do think of this year's Gophers team as you think about this year's Gophers team and kind of what happened, how they kind of hit that lull in the middle of the year and how they kind of, how, how they can recalibrate. What, how do you think about the season as it stands right now? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I don't know if I had the, the national picture in mind, but I thought this was the year after you'd start four and I think most people said uh, they are the team to beat in the big 10 West because they were so dominant. It was so different than what we had seen under PJ Fleck in the non-conference. And even, you know, I'll include that first uh, big 10 game against Michigan state because they've traditionally just kind of played these games close to the vest. Uh, they haven't always looked impressive. They just run the ball a million times and whatever the score is, if they win, that's all that matters. And so this, it felt different the first, um, the first month, but it was a false insecurity because uh, there were underlying issues that didn't get exposed until they started playing high, you know, good teams, um, teams in their weight class. And so, you know, to me, I look at this season, they need to salvage the rest of the season. You know, yeah. Illinois is going to win the West, um, but the Gophers need to salvage this season and, and win some games. So you can say the record was good um, if it, if it uh, but they didn't achieve, you know, the ultimate goal of winning the West. Um, but it's, I look at, you know, even this Rutgers game, it fell back to run Mo Ibrahim a lot and don't rely on the pass game. And PJ Flex said this week that, you know, they throw some interceptions when they try to throw the ball down the field. And it's, he didn't want to risk that and have that game possibly turn around when they didn't need to. So they're back to not trusting the passing game. Right. Which is not what you want to hear. And no. it's, it, I don't know if it's, if the, you know, I think it's a combination of factors, but the, the wide receiver core is just not, um, it has not developed in the way that I thought it would, in the way that it looked like it would in that Michigan State game. Uh, it's been really a, a problem area for him, and that's something P.J. is going to have to address in a big way uh, during the recruiting season. No, oh, yeah, and they lost. I mean, one thing we kind of forget about, or I'm sure they didn't forget about this, but is masked when they are winning is, you know, Chris Ottman-Bell goes out, you know, late in the, uh, the non-conference play, and 
looks like they're going to not miss a beat because they against Michigan State, you're right, the receivers were great, but I, I still do wonder how much that is playing into this and just had little things along the way. You had, you know, Morgan was out for, you know, a game and a half. You missed Mo yeah. in that uh, <clears throat> in that Purdue game where he probably would have made a big difference. I mean, one one player in a good program shouldn't make that much of a difference, but it seems like it has in certain cases. And that's that's the uh, you know, that's the excuse I, I don't really think you know flies anymore because this is year six of flex tenure. And by year six, if you lose your number one receiver, it shouldn't all fall apart. Right. You should have established some depth, quality depth to where you can um, mitigate, you know, losses. Like now Mo Ibrahim is a great college football player, you know, one of the best running backs in their, in their program history. So I'm not saying you're not going to miss him, but I think they rushed for 47 yards or something like that against uh, Purdue. I mean, they didn't yeah. run the ball at all. And, so, and some of that was they got dominated along the line of scrimmage with their offensive line, which uh, really struggled in a couple of games there, Purdue and Illinois. So, so it's been, it's been a combination of things. The line hasn't come together um, or, you know, had a couple of bad games, wide receiver core, the quarterback position hasn't played uh, as well as it should. You know, the defense really fell apart there um, against Penn state. So, it's, it's disappointing based off what you saw the first month because you thought with all this veteran experience they had coming back and this being year six uh, of, of flex tenure that this was going to be the year that they, you know, should go win the West. Yeah. And it's, you know, like we've talked about too, it doesn't get easier next year. <laughs> next year. No, when uh, when no. Michigan and Ohio state come back on the schedule when, you know, and frankly, a lot of your, a lot of these skill position guys who have been here forever, you know, say whatever, whatever you want to say about Tanner Morgan, he's seems like the best option they have right now. Mo, Mo is definitely their best option right now. Ottman Bell was definitely their best receiver. Like those guys are all gone next year. Yeah. And you're, you're adding uh, Michigan and Ohio state and you're going to North Carolina, you know, and you're going to have this with a, a first year starting quarterback. I, I assume it's going to be Cali McManus um, going through this. So it's no, it's, uh, next year is a gauntlet of games when you see their schedule and how they stack up. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of the local optimism has shifted to the Vikings, and you know, been for good reason. They're six and one, and you know, made a good trade deadline move. I thought on Tuesday to get T.J. Hawkinson, you know, someone who, you know, a tight end maybe doesn't always move the needle, but it was a position of need. I think even before Irv Smith Jr. got hurt, I felt like it was a position of need. And now with him on injured reserve, it definitely is. Didn't seem like it cost all that much in terms of draft capital because they got a couple picks back from from Detroit, yeah. which could be, you know, reasonably high fourth round picks. What what did you make of what you saw on Tuesday? I thought it absolutely moved the needle because to me it was um we've heard competitive rebuild from Quasi. Yes. And to me, this is an acknowledgement that, you know what, things have changed. You're six and one, you, you know, Green Bay's falling apart. You look around the league, there's not a lot of great teams. Uh, NFC, I mean, Philadelphia is clearly the, you know, the team that stands out right now. But um, the Vikings are, you know, what have the second best record and, and really haven't even started to hit on all cylinders yet on offense. And so this was a, a – to me, an aggressive move by a regime that said, you know what, let's, let's not just sit pat, uh, pat and, and try to improve internally. This is a need. The offense needs another threat in, uh, uh, 
as a pass catcher. And so I give Kwesi a lot of credit. You're right that the compensation is not, you know, wasn't extravagant. I mean, no. you're basically swapping a second round pick for a fourth round pick. And yes, you look at the numbers, the second round pick should be, you know, uh, is more valuable than that fourth. But I like the fact that they recognize the moment and said, you know what, let's go for it. Let's, let's try to improve this team and see what we can do this year. Yeah, I agree. Cause I think the easy thing to do always is, Hey, we're six and one. Let's not mess with what's going right. Let's not, you know, let's not push all the chips in, so to speak. And they don't think they had, they didn't think they didn't have to push in all the chips for this move, which was, which was nice. They didn't like give up a first round pick and nothing, you know, sure. didn't get anything back. So it, it doesn't feel like that kind of move. Didn't have to do a whole lot of salary cap maneuvering right now, just because he's still on that rookie contract. So it, it made a lot of sense from from that standpoint but I, I like what you said recognizing the moment recognizing that this year is probably going better than even internal projections might have might have thought like you thought the vikings might be four and three at this point three and four at this point and you certainly thought the packers were going to be better than they are right now well yeah i you know if you gave him true serum I, I don't know that many people in there say they're gonna be six and one at this point and i picked him to go seven and ten this year <laughs> i don't think that's gonna <clears throat> unless they go one and nine the rest of the way which seems unlikely chip well, that's why, you know, I, I think I said nine and eight, you know, the old going out on the limb, nine and eight. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because there, there's just so many unknowns that you, you know, new coach and new system and all this. And uh, could you squeeze more out of uh, the veterans that you have? And that's the other thing. I got to imagine if you're Harrison Smith and Zadarius Smith and Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and these guys that they don't have seven more right. years, you know, here, you know, and, and you don't, you're not going to be six and one every year in the NFL. I mean, this is one of those years where it seems like things are breaking their way, whether it's winning close games, the injury situation, although they're dealing with it a little bit now, who you play in their injury situation, what's going on around you with the Packers and teams that this is when that moment presents itself to you, you got to take advantage. And I feel like they're, they're recognizing that and like, you know what, let's bolster this. Let's try to improve this offense because it needs some help. And let's just see how far this thing can go. Yeah. And it'd be hard to imagine what the offense might look like too, without Irv Smith and without Hawkinson. I mean, they'd be <clears throat> staring at a lot of weeks in a row where they just don't really have a, you know, a playmaking threat at that position. Yeah, no. And, and um, you know, it'd been interesting to see, let's say Irv doesn't get hurt. Are you still looking to upgrade there? Because he wasn't giving you a lot. No, you know, he just was not a big part of like we thought he was going to be. I mean, we saw him in camp. You're like, oh, he's going to be, you know, Kevin O'Connell's going to really maximize his skill set. And it just didn't work out. The injuries and just, um, you know, it's, it's a disappointment. I got to imagine, you know, now that you have Hawkinson, that uh, this likely means that Earth's yeah. not going to be back after this year. I think um, so. I don't think you want, you can have both of them. So, no. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, they needed, another guy to stretch the field and you look at his yards per catch is, you know, really impressive. Yeah. And it, so like an 81 yard catch this year, a 58 yard catch. I mean, that's for a tight end. Like that's that game breaking type stuff. Yeah. And I saw stats for his yards after catcher, you know, um, he's just a playmaker. And so you, I got to imagine that's going to help, you know, Jefferson. Yeah. It's going to, I thought Dalvin looked like Dalvin of old Sunday against Arizona. He looked like he had his burst back. And so, I want to see this offense kind of really find that gear and be more explosive than what we've seen because it's um, they've made critical plays when they needed them and had critical drives, but just the consistency hasn't been there. 
Yeah. And I'd be interested to hear too. Uh, we'll both, we're both out at uh, Vikings access. I'll be interested to hear during the week. If, you know, this is a guy that a lot of these defensive players played against twice a year for the last few years. I wonder if they gave a, will give a ringing endorsement of, Hey, this guy's hard to stop. This guy's hard to, you know, to, to bring down. This is a guy that we want to, we want on, on our offenses as opposed to having to go and try to stop him because uh, you know, that, 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 uh, that factors in sometimes as well. Um, Chip, last thing while I got you here, I talked about D'Angelo Russell extensively on, I think it was Tuesday's show, um, going into that, uh, uh, that game against Phoenix and he did not, (laughs) uh, did not, uh, exactly light things up uh, against the Suns. I think he only played 23 minutes. I think he was a minus 20 in that game. Yeah. Minus 20. Um, you know, I've made one or two shots, just whatever I'm, I'm having a hard time parsing blame for why this starting five just doesn't seem to be clicking yet. And some of it probably is still just it's eight games in and you, yeah. you put something like Rudy Gobert into that lineup. It's going to be a learning curve for a lot of these guys. McDaniels is new to the starting lineup. Towns is playing a new position. I get that, but how do, Russell, when he struggles has been a common denominator here for a few years. How, where do you, where do you break this down as to why this team is four and four and just not looking like a whole lot of fun right now? Yeah, you, know, you watched the game last night, and they're frustrating to watch. This, yes. As I tweeted out, I'd rather watch the backups at this point because they 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 run the offense, they take good shot, they share the ball, um, you know, they outscore the other bench. Yeah. And when you put the offense back in, it's just disjointed and clunky and too much isolation, hero ball. And, you know, Russell, I always – I put so much on the point guard, and that's probably unfair, but um, – it just, I mean, he had a couple of bad turnovers there late last night where it just, they got the ball, they got the, the lead down to two, the deficit down to two, and they have just turnover after turnover and just not getting good shots. And just and that's, when they, brought, and that's when they brought all the starters back. Yeah. Well, that's when the starters, yeah. They brought, yeah. And, and I understand, I, I hear what Chris Finch is saying, like, hey, they have to work through this. Like, at the, you know, they're jeopardizing, jeopardizing wins and losses because they're trying to make this right. thing work. And I I sort of understand that. Sure. But I'm also of the mind of Nas Reed was one of the best players on the court last night for them. And he, he just sat there as the, the, you know, as the fourth quarter unfolded when they could have used him. And so, um, yeah, Russell just, you know, I, I, I'm on record. I go back to that, that playoff game was when you can't trust a max player in the, in the decisive game to be on the court in the fourth quarter. I think you have your answer. And I, my my opinion hasn't changed. So what do you, you do? Know? I mean, I I, well, I don't think you 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 know you don't give up on this starting five yet at eight games in because you got to st- still figure out how this grouping can work. Russell's an expiring contract, but I don't think you want to bring in another you know another bad contract. You got to pay yeah. Ant eventually. You've got Towns and Gobert making McDaniels. a ton of money. McDaniel's has got to get paid at a certain point here too. So I mean, does a bench roll soon and better? I'm just trying to figure out like how. Well, how they can use him in a way that they can still get any kind of value out of him this year, while also recognizing that he's pro- he's not part of their long term plan. So it's just it's a weird situation. I, I I thought they could try to make it work going into the year, and it just doesn't seem like it's working right now. Yeah, it's not working. But I, you're right with the you know all the different factors and um, you know putting him on the bench is that I I don't know if that's going to accomplish what you're trying to to get. I mean, I keep thinking. I look at their talent and is at some point it should click. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, we knew that it was going to be clunky 
to start with because of all the change and everything that, you know, that this upheaval that you've done. But um, so I, you have to stick with it and, and, and hope that it, you know, starts to gel, starts to make sense, starts to uh, has, has more chemistry and rhythm and uh, you know, efficiency to the offense with, with, and Russell's a part of that, but man, these growing pains are hard to watch for a yeah. team that's trying because it is. And and I understand that part, but some of the, you know, we've seen some just lack of effort stuff to not mm-hmm. getting back on defense, not running the floor, taking bad shots. That drives me crazy. I don't know if that's learning to play together or if that's just bad habits. Yeah. And that's the stuff that I hope Finch, you know, can weed that out and still try to make this starting uh collection work as work as best as it can. Um, because <laughs> I mean it was a big gamble, right? We knew it was gonna sure. be a gamble and we knew it was not gonna look probably pretty from the, the start. I just didn't think it would look this rough, to be honest right. with you. Well, it looks like it's wearing on Finch a little bit too. You just look at him, you watch him coaching, you watch him post game. Doesn't seem like he has the answer yet. I think he wants he wants to see more. He's kind of given them the blueprint, and they're just not being able to follow it right now. And that's got to be frustrating for a coach. Well, is, is look at the players' body language too. Yeah, I mean, you can see the frustration out there. And so maybe maybe you know privately they thought it was going to be easier than this yeah. because they do have individual talent, and it, right. it does it does look good on paper. You think it's going to work right away. So maybe they had a little false sense of security too that oh this is yeah we're adding you know, a great defensive player and, and sure cat can play anywhere. Cause he's talented. Right. It, it, it doesn't always, you know, doesn't work that way. It's still, you know, um, and so, and you know, Ant looks like he's more comfortable playing when it's small, you know? Yeah, he does. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a mess right now. I mean, there's no other way to say, it. I mean, Finch said last night, he's like, yeah, the, the starting group has just not been good. No. And then um, they, and he, and the, the worst thing he said was doesn't seem like they're doesn't seem like they're any closer to figuring it out right now than no. they were at the start of the year, which that would, you know, that would be like, Hey, if you can see signs of progress, like I think with the Vikings, like nobody would say they're playing to their fullest potential, but you see glimpses of it along the way. You see how, yeah. how the offense has, you know, maybe made some strides as the year goes on, looks more comfortable with a lot of you know, the new system. This just doesn't seem like they've made those adjustments yet. Well, and, it, and the alarming part about that, Mike is like, these are veterans. Yeah. Right. These are not young players trying to figure this out. So yes, it's new. And some of them are playing out in new positions and all that, but they're veterans. This is, you know, you should be able to make adjustments and, and, and figure out how to play with someone and share the ball and run back on defense and keep guys in front of you <laughs> when you're yeah. playing defense. So that, that's the kind of stuff that's, that's driving you crazy. And so, um, I don't know. I, it, it's, you know, I mean, again, it's, it's eight games in, so you have to give a little more time. And we've seen teams take half a year to kind of figure things yeah. out and then get on a run. So I think in their mind, that's probably what they're hoping for, you know, but I, they just yeah. want to. I need to see it, something at least by 20 games. It makes you think, okay, they're on the right track. And you know what? The next 12, they got some tough games. They got the Bucks, They got the Suns again. They got the Cavaliers. They got the Warriors. I mean, yeah. now they're starting to play the good teams. And now we're going to really see what they're made of. Well, that was the, that was my thought was like, okay, you know, this is, going to be a work in progress, but they're playing kind of a soft launch. And right. so they have some, you know, they'll be able to figure this out and win. Well, <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't figured it out and they're not winning. No. So um, it's kind of a double whammy. It is. 
It is. We'll see if they're any better. Bucks are up next. That will be a tough one. Um, everything we got going on, Chip Scoggins, we'll be there to write about it. Chip, appreciate the time today, and we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. All right, Mikey. Thank you, man. Good stuff from Chip, as always. And I'd like, like to give a shout-out to uh, to Chris Hine, too. Good piece today on the, the starters for the Timberwolves, maybe taking a cue from the bench players. And uh, you know, there's a game. There's not a game until uh, until tomorrow night, but uh, that game against Milwaukee. So they've got some tough ones on the schedule coming up. They got Milwaukee, Cleveland. They got Phoenix again. Um, so no, you know, and Memphis in the next six. So you know, they got to figure this out relatively quickly. You don't want to see those losses pile up. You'd like to see them start to figure this out sooner rather than later. And we'll see how quickly they are able to get to that. Speaking of getting to that, let's get to the cooler. A couple quick things at the end. This wouldn't have been a footnote a long time ago, but uh, World Series, no-hitter. Uh, a combined no-hitter, but a no-hitter nonetheless. Houston, no hits. Philadelphia in Game 4 of the World Series to tie that series two games apiece. Um, it's been a lot of blowouts in this series lately, but maybe Game 5 will be a little bit different. This is just the second-ever no-hitter in World Series play. Obviously, the first one going way back, way, way back to Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. It's been almost 70 years since we've had a no-hitter in the Major League Baseball World Series, so that is pretty cool, and we'll see how Game 5 goes with this series tied now 2-2. Gophers men's basketball beat St. Olaf as they should, but that game was a little dicey. It was half. It was tied at halftime. Gophers missing a lot of starters, got things going a little bit in the second half, so we'll see how that progresses as the year goes along as well as they get some guys healthy as they get to playing each other playing with each other a little bit more that will do it for today should have Ben Gessling on Friday show to talk more Vikings probably stay away a little bit from TJ Hawkinson since we've talked so much about him but there's plenty more to chew on with this 6 and 1 team heading into Washington that'll do it for me today I'm Michael Rand thanks for joining me back at it tomorrow